Hi everyone, welcome to Totally Dissolved, where we discuss all things coffee through the lens of education. I'm Kathy Hilberg. And I'm Bronwyn Serna. With the help of subject matter experts, we explore different facets of specialty coffee to educate ourselves and you. Thanks for joining us on our journey in an education in caffeination. Bronwyn. Kathy. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. It's okay. Um, <laughs> do you remember how I had a flat tire on Halloween? Yes. Did you have another flat tire? I had tire? another flat tire oh, today. Oh, dear God. It's oh, been 22, no. 22 days since my last flat tire. And you know my last flat tire before Halloween? Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving last year. Wow. Fortunately, Josh Littlefield was there to repair it for me. Thanks, Josh um, Littlefield. On the spot. <laughs> was a great, um, but not so lucky. Today, I was stuck on that, like, 5, 10, 110 interchange. That's, like, a oh, nightmare. yes. And so I had to drive on my flat tire because I couldn't just pull over on the side of this massive oh interchange. Oh, my gosh, how stressful. Um, but uh, AAA came and put on my spare, and then I have an appointment tomorrow to get probably two more new tires, so. Oof. But you know what? I'm going to have... Four new tires. It was probably time. It wasn't, unfortunately. But I haven't had my car for a year yet. Oh, damn. But you know what? But. My car really said, uh, I would like four new shoes, please. <laughs> Not just two. So. It's very, it's being very picky. Yeah. She's a fashionista. <laughs> anyway, how are you? Good. Well, my tire had a nail in it. <laughs> Recently? But, yes. I did not even realize, but... Did you, know. you like, take your car in and then they were Actually, like, hey. I didn't even have to deal with it. Jeremy dealt with it. Thank so God. So nice. I know. It was in... It was due for an oil change, so my mechanics, um, thankfully, uh, who I love and adore, if you guys ever need car service, Magic Touch Automotive, they're great. Ruben and his team are amazing. So they found it I guess and they it's just fixed it. The time of year for flat tires. I guess. Flat so. tire weather, you know? Exactly. Whatever that Let's means. not make it a habit, universe. Yeah. Please stop. I hate it. Yeah. Well, in other news, it is Thanksgiving week. We are thankful for all of you for listening. And for coffee. And for a coffee. That is the sound of some delicious. I cannot believe these words are coming out of my mouth. But very delicious Sumatra, because Sumatra. Here's another ASMR pour. I hadn't poured it yet. We usually pour before we start recording. Yes. So Cheers. Um, this is the fellow drop from a few weeks ago. It's from JBC, and it is a washed Sumatra. And this is absolutely, like, it blew my mind, because typically I am not a... Sumatra is my least preferred coffee. I wouldn't say I hate it, but it is my least preferred coffee. But this one was like super spicy, herbaceous, juicy, just it was well roasted and it's just a really good cup of coffee. It's very good. It's not as earthy as Uh Sumatrans normally are, which is the thing that um, I have a harder time with. Same. And the way that you say that they're your least favorite 
least preferred. Or least preferred. Sorry, <laughs> I'd say um, that I am uh, learning to appreciate them, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I do. I do appreciate them. I just know that they're not my. It feels so weird to say cup of tea when we're talking about coffee, but it is the phrase. So, yes. um, yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoy this. Yeah, it's su- it's so interesting. So kudos to JCB for roasting this. JBC. A uh, JBC. Sorry. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I, make sure I, defi- it right. I definitely need more coffee, but also the packaging you will see is very traditional batik, which is native to the region of Indonesia and Sumatra, and it's gorgeous. So we'll make sure to put lots of photos on that on our Insta. So cool! Yeah. Also, just want to say that. We, there was a, I don't know who knew about this or not, but there was an earthquake in Java either yesterday or the day before that was really, really devastating. So um, just wanted to send some love to that part of our coffee supply chain friends, yes, partners, people that we work with. Um, so if you see any donation things out there and are in a position to donate, please do. And if you see stuff like that, um, and you want us to share, send it our way. We can share links in our stories, um, and we'll do the same. I just haven't seen anything out there yet. Yeah, so. neither have I. Um, and one last note before we do kind of head into our almost, what is this? It's our, we're almost done with season two, It's y'all. our pen, no, it's no, not our penultimate. That'd be in the next one. It's our penultimate ultimate. ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that Or today. is it pen penultimate ultimate? <laughs> Um, we are doing an Ask Me Anything for our last episode, so... Of the season. Yes, we'll be of back. the season. We'll be back with season three. In the new year. And so it is your chance to ask Kathy and myself any coffee or otherwise related questions um, that, you ha- that you've been wanting to ask us. So DM or email totallydissolvedpod at gmail.com. Yeah. I think we'll or also DM throw up, Insta. We'll throw up a little uh, like question box in our stories from time yes. to time up until then. So if you see it, please throw in your questions there too. So yeah. lots of opportunity. Please anything. Yeah, it doesn't ask have us to anything. Have to be about coffee. It's literally an AM. Yeah, just nothing thing. too personal. Well, if it's too personal, we just won't answer yeah, it. That's true. So you can't. You can try. But ask won't answer. anything. We'll <laughs> answer what we feel like. Um, so, yeah. I think without any further to do, we have our guest, who is going to be joining us very shortly. I'm very excited about those guests yeah. because I appreciate them and. They are an amazing human, but we are talking with Michelle R. Johnson of Ghost Town Oats, Ghost Town World. And Chocolate Barista, if you know the old, uh, and old is not the right word, the long history of yes. Michelle's involvement in coffee. Exactly. Um, yeah. So stay tuned. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Bronwyn. Hey, Kathy. Hi. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, podcasts are so fun. They're so awkward. I'm like, I'm so like... giddy. <laughs> right. 
this is also funny because like I feel like this happens like I don't know four out of five episodes where it's like we live in the same city right see each other and it's kind of funny to do this like it's not a zoom call but it's basically a zoom call that we're having right pretty much we could (laughs) just hang out but it's easier for recording so yes um (laughs) that's real yeah welcome to the pod we appreciate you being on here thank you Thanks for having me. I was so honored when I got the email. And it's funny because you sent the email right out as I was finishing listening to Trisha's episode. And y'all know that that's my that's my bestie. Yes. (laughs) So I was like, wow, look at God. (laughs) So I've been looking forward to this. Yay. Amazing. Well, we would love for you to give everybody your intro. Tell tell all the listeners about you and, you know, go as far back into your coffee career as you want to. Um, I, I think it would be great to hear as much as you feel like saying, but you know, whatever, well, whatever you feel like. <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start with, my name is Michelle R. Johnson, and I am the co-founder and chief strategy officer of a little company called Ghost Town Oats. I am formerly known as the Chocolate Barista, and I have been in coffee for about 11 years, going on 12. Um, I started way back at a little second wave shop in Washington, D.C., where I'm from. I worked my way up into a specialty cafe that also sold um, New Orleans fare called Bayou Bakery. If you're out there in D.C., please go check it out. Get the beignets. And um, from there, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona to pursue music and ended up just getting deeper into coffee. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, I've I've done a little bit of everything from being a barista to managing. Um, I'm a past coffee competitor. I'm still, as of today, the only black woman to ever be at the U.S. Barista Championship. I hope that changes sooner than later. I have been in education, marketing, consulting, journalism. You can look me up on Sprudge. If you Google black barista, my face comes up. Weird, but cool. (laughs) Which is a fun tidbit. Um, And yeah, now I'm in oat milk. Incredible. Done it all. I've I've low-key done it all. (laughs) Totally. Um, What is in your cup? So what's in my cup today and my very cute fellow Carter mug that's pink is um, it's actually steamed oat milk courtesy of Ghost Town Oats and Kraken Black Rum. Oh, yum. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a delicious combination, a nice little evening um, sip, a nice evening sip. And uh, it kind of tastes like a little bit like a warm latte because Kraken is like very strong in its flavor. Um, and I've been messing around with it for oat milk based cocktails lately. So this is what I'm sipping on. Nice. It also sounds very festive for the season. Extremely. This is my favorite time of year for warm alcohol beverages. Yeah. So good. That sounds delicious. It does sound delicious. I might have to try that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do have my, my box of ghost town notes in, in my fridge. So nice. just need to get the Kraken. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, speaking of Ghost Town Oats, um, can you remember the moments that kind of led up to you creating Ghost Town Oats with the partners that you're, you've worked on it with and 
lead the company with and just kind of give us the sort of like birth story <laughs> of Ghost Town Oats. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting because the birth story, I feel like has like two different parallel timelines going on, like my timeline and then where my co-founder comes in, Josh, where he is the one with the actual idea to do an oat milk company. Mm -hmm. um, my timeline starts back in 2018 when I was still living in Australia. Um, I had just left working at Barista Hustle and was coffee consulting um, for Califia Farms, actually. And they wanted my help with marketing oat milk, their oat milk to the Melbourne coffee scene. And it was an interesting challenge to take on because that was like my first official coffee consulting gig. Um, and I had at that point never tried oat milk. I wasn't on bar during the, uh, when oat milk hit the American scene. Um, so in my experience up until that point, I was only, I had only known almond and soy milk. Um, so my first time trying oat milk was when I was down there, Calafia Barista Blend, still to this day, like highly respect them and still drink it. Um, and when that was like, when I started to think about how to actually market a new plant, like something just completely new to coffee people. Um, and to be honest, I had a hard time. <laughs> like, I think overall it ended up being successful, but in my time there, I definitely like struggled a bit in trying to figure out like, how do I get baristas excited about a plant-based milk? Um, especially in an area, like I'm not from Australia. <laughs> I don't know that scene like that. I came down there for a job and like really was just trying to, you know, do what I needed to do. And when my visa was up, I was on my way out of there. <laughs> um, so from there, I feel like that that planted the initial seed on thinking about like marketing and marketing to baristas specifically. And I didn't even realize like what that background processing would be, would be like. Fast forward to 2019 after I come back to the States and I ended up getting closer to Califia uh, because that year in their like event marketing materials, I ended up being the face of the brand. Um, there's like the photo, there is a photo of me holding a bunch of Califia oat milk <laughs> cartons that they used at the coffee festivals that year. Um, and then ironically enough, I ended up working at Coffee Manufactory, which was a really close partner with Califia at the time too. Um, so I started to get like actual experience in working with oat milk and training people on how to how to work with oat milk at the time. Um, and so I feel like jumping to 2020 was when things started to really like come together um, because since I didn't have a job anymore, thanks to the pandemic, I started coffee consulting on projects that, that were still going. People were still trying to open up coffee shops and getting prepared. Um, and I needed some help. So Eric had thankfully moved to LA that year. Um, and Ezra and I have always been close. Ezra has helped me with chocolate barista projects in the past and been a part of some of my events. Uh, so we all came together to do consulting as a team under underneath the chocolate barista umbrella. And I get an email one day from a guy named Josh who said, Hey, I was told to talk to you by your friend, Erica Escalante, um, about this project that I want to do with oat milk. Are you interested in talking? And like behind the scenes, I was like on the phone with Ezra and I was like, I don't want to answer this. I don't know what this is about. <laughs> I was like, everyone is always trying to talk to me about something like I, this just feels like a scam. <laughs> so, um, 
I then get an email, another message from him this time from LinkedIn. So he hits me up twice and I'm like, okay, maybe he's actually serious about this. And Ezra has said to me, we like, we're consulting. We need to answer every inbound email right now. So like, just find out what it's about. I was like, okay, you're right. So we set up a call. I talked to this guy named Josh and he basically, the second timeline is him um, talk actually getting in touch with Erica through like a clubhouse competitor app. And they were talking about food items and consumer packaged goods. And she was a part of like that discussion. So he had reached out to her with the idea and she said, I'm not interested in this, but you should talk to Michelle. She would absolutely be someone who would at least have an idea about what you should do from there. Um, so then we reach out to each other and he had basically was like, I just feel like in the plant-based milk space today, there is nothing that speaks to me when I'm like at the grocery store trying to choose an oat milk. Like I see all the different brands. I'm just kind of choosing based off of how I feel that day, but there isn't something that I'm like, you know, I feel brand loyal to something I feel married to. And I said, well, that's interesting that you say that because I feel like for me, because of my work with the chocolate barista, I'm like naturally always thinking about like, black people in coffee and just like black people in general i'm black right <laughs> and then i from there i think about how anyone who is marginalized how they're going to interact with things and like how do they or how do we buy into the products that we are spending our money on how we're consuming and that's just sort of how i like walk through the world so with that in mind i'd said to him i said well i could tell you right now with what you're saying that there's absolutely space to create something that does speak to us because I feel like there is, there is no one who is being truly inclusive of the needs and wants of the marginalized community when it comes to a lot of these consumer packaged goods, or even just like, if you want to on the surface level, just think about marketing. So calling back to what I was learning about marketing back in Australia, I was like, even on a marketing level, um, there is lots being done as far as faces are concerned. There is surely diverse marketing models being hired, but those teams that are hiring those models are not, don't look like me. Um, the people who are making the decisions about how to, how to penetrate certain markets certainly don't look like me. So they're not thinking about me. So with, with just that, I think that we have a ton to work with there. And he was like, all right, cool let's do it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> and so I took it back to Ezra and Eric. And at this time, like Josh didn't know that I had a team. Um, so I took it back to Ezra and Eric and I said, okay, this is, this is the vibe here. And I think that this is something that would be really cool for us to work on. And, you know, of course, as us as consultants, we're like, you know, we'll help him bring this oat milk to market. You know, obviously we'll walk away with some equity and then like wash our hands of it onto the next project. Um, but as we started to have more discussions about it, we started to feel like actually this might be bigger than we can even fathom right now. There's something about this that just feels right that we need to like really hone in on this. Um, so during the negotiations there, actually, I was, uh, having like a late night call with Eric and Ezra while we were trying to figure out the, uh, the contract and I saw a shooting star outside and that's how I knew I was like, Ooh. <laughs> This is the one, y'all. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think 
we're we're on the right track here. Um, so Josh hired all of us as consultants, and the uh, company was incorporated on December fourteenth. So our second birthday is coming up, um, and it was not called Ghost Town at the beginning. It was called Oakland Oats <laughs> <laughs> because Josh lives in Oakland. <laughs> And uh, from there, we just, I don't know, we just started started working on it. We immediately started uh, working on the formulation and recipe. We tasted every oat milk out there. There are some in the market that are trash. I am sorry, I'm not going to name names, but there are some very bad ones out there. <laughs> and they're still doing it, and I'm proud of them. <laughs> but we've tasted them all. Yeah. And um, it's funny because I can now like go to a coffee shop and I don't even have to ask what oat milk is on bar. Like I can just taste it in the coffee. Like I'm a if there was cup tasters for oat milk, we would be the ones <laughs> to win that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's essentially the the birth story of Ghost Town. Um, all of 2021 was spent building and formulating and figuring out like what ghost town was going to be as well as figuring out who we were going to be as a team because that in itself is like when it comes to entrepreneurship and like company building is something that i think needs to be talked about just as much as like how how we come out to the world is like what's going on inside that house that we're building um and i'm really proud of where we are now and how far we've come and you know we're about to turn two and we have done so much so my little baby is born. <laughs> it has four that's parents. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Um, I love that, like, obviously we had pandemic time before that all started, but I feel like y'all were, like, busy during that time where lots of people were just trying to, like, figure out how to move through the world. And I'm sure that, mm -hmm. like, personal lives and stuff, it all felt the same in that way regard. But professionally, y'all were putting in a lot of work and then got to like introduce your child to the world <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> when things were kind and, and, like, of reopening. She, right. And she was a secret for a while. Yeah, She was yeah. a secret for a long time. That was a secret love child. <laughs> yeah. Which makes it even I more intriguing. I don't think intriguing. we, uh, yeah, I don't think we announced Ghost Town was even a thing until like August or September last year. Mm -hmm. um, and that was only because I had done a founder accelerator program last summer and a part of like the graduation was that they were going to announce all the graduates and what you were building. And I was like, all right, guys, <laughs> here it goes. <laughs> here it goes. Like we're going to announce that this is a thing now. And it was, you know, it was a particularly shysty time for that because of us being consultants, having, you know, had relationships with other alternative milk companies and, you know, some of the things that we were trying to tie up with them and discuss, like there were things that we had to pass on and like couldn't tell why. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, certain projects that we couldn't move forward with, but we felt in our hearts that it was for the best. And I think in retrospect that we all are very happy with the decisions that we made, even if it didn't work out for us financially to do that it was still like we are we're thinking long term here so yeah one of the most like there's a lot to unpack in your story which i find absolutely amazing um one of the most distinguishing things about ghost town is is its commitment to being accessible and inclusive to those communities that were previously 
hadn't been considered or paid attention to, like you said. And that's so important, especially just in the scope of, you know, the cultural landscape today. Um, can you discuss how you all wanted to make it more of a priority and how you executed that plan? Yeah, um, it started with that initial conversation between Josh and I. And, you know, it was, this is my career MO. It's like the MO of the chocolate barista, but the chocolate barista was born from how I walk naturally in this world of being mindful of that. And obviously you have Eric from Glitter Cat, who, <laughs> you know, is, mm -hmm. who's working on an entire program dedicated to that in the competition space. And, and Ezra being a very well-regarded black coffee professional, who's also a part of my black coffee panels. Um, it's something that we all, already think about, talk about, and live our lives as. Um, so it was relatively easy for us to see that void as an opportunity. And, you know, it goes back to, you know, I, I've talked about this in the past, I think at RICO Symposium in 2018, um, a part of my talk that year was talking, was bringing like diversity and inclusion to that stage. And then when you're talking to like a hundred and some C-suites who are mostly white, and a lot of them European. So they really are just like, girl, what the hell are you talking about? But they do talk money. <laughs> so it's like, I was able to tie in. It's like, look, if you're not being inclusive, you're just leaving money on the table. And don't you want money? And like, this is, you know, I'm aware of the fact that we're in a capitalistic society. And so everything has to tie back to money in some way. And one day it won't be like this, but I have, I have a purse filled with dollars that I'm trying to spend somewhere. And if you are not thinking about what I need or want in order to get my dollars, I'm not going to spend it with you. So that was just sort of like the, the, the betting ground for, for that. And then there's also the, you know, just the, like, I don't know how to describe it, the feel good aspect of like feeling seen. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, it feels yeah. really, really good to feel seen by a brand. Um, a great example of this is over the weekend, I was at ComplexCon down in Long Beach, and there were a handful of brands that I'd always seen online um, that I got to, you know, meet the people in person and engage with the products. And like just in their branding, it's like they were using rap and R&B girls that like I love and listen to. And I felt so seen by the marketing materials that like I spent my money with them. And it's like I was... I'd said it to uh, my partner. I was like, I'm just so happy to feel this in this moment because it's not something that I feel often because in my personal experience, I have to kind of go out of my way to justify why a brand speaks to me instead of just being able to see it naturally and like not having to work for that. Um, so that's something that we all think about at Ghost Town is like, how do we proactively do that work for them? How do we just go ahead and make somebody feel like this is for them? Um, and I feel like that that shows in how we brand ourselves, how we market ourselves. It definitely is, you know, what's not really known to the outside world, but is known internally. It's like, it's how we approach the formula for the oat milk altogether. Um, it like goes as deep as to think about like culturally, what do people want the most? And when it comes to food and beverage, they want shit to taste good. It needs to taste good. Yes. <laughs> and I think we can all um, attest to this, like in coffee especially, it's like there will be people 
who are sitting there and like, yo, this Gesha, this 99 point Gesha, this is the one. It's $100 for a cup, but it's the one. And it tastes like trash. <laughs> and But it's like, it's supposed to be great. <laughs> it's supposed to be good because of this and that and what all the bells and whistles that went into um, creating that cup of coffee. But if it doesn't taste good, what like what good is it then? Um, and I know there are some cultures of people, I'm not going to say who, that will throw out taste just for um, if, if it's like if it's supposed to do something like wellness, a lot of wellness stuff. This is this is what I really want to get into. <laughs> wellness. Please do. <laughs> wellness, food and beverage. Ooh, y'all need to learn how to taste. There's so and... much bad tasting, like healthy or supposedly, so supposedly healthy. healthy. I'm yeah. doing air right. quotes here. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Healthy. Supposedly healthy things that taste bad is rampant in the in the food world, and and a lot of stuff tastes bland, and a lot of things taste neutral and just tastes like paper and nothing. And there is no way in hell that my mom, my aunt, my grandma, my cousins are going to let me live it down if I created a product that tasted like that, because that's what I think everyone wants, because that's like me speaking from my personal experience in coffee. That's what a lot of the customers that I've served want. But in that same experience, I have always tried to make coffee for like when like when a you know when an auntie comes into the coffee shop i'm like i'm not trying to give her the bland stuff like i want to make sure that she's really taken care of because i know in my mind that she wants something that tastes good um so taste was the first thing and like it doesn't even matter whether it's cultural or not please just everything just needs to taste good um and then when it comes down to like how the oat milk texturizes and feels in the mouth and as you drink it and it's aftertaste um one of the reasons why i did not try alternative milk before i finally went into oat milk um, even though whole milk was cutting me up <laughs> is because it, it just felt like too much of a it, it was like too far away from whole milk like at the end of the day, I just wanted yeah. something that felt and tasted like whole milk. But almond milk was like too nutty for me. Soy milk was like, I'm drinking pudding. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and everything else, it was just like, it was just too crazy. It was too crazy for my palate. Uh, and then I found oat milk. So, and what we did, it's like thinking about the people like us who are just like, there are a lot of people who aren't going to try something new and like are gonna be very, very hesitant to try something new. That's, I feel like this might be a hypothesis um, that I'm throwing out there, but I hypothesize that most people don't want to change their eating and drinking habits at all. So if you're going to offer up a new alternative, it needs to be, in order for them to buy in, it needs to be as close to the original as possible. And my, evidence for this hypothesis are like vegan soul food restaurants because i've heard it time and time again at, at home and with my people they're like i'm not i'm not eating plant chicken, chicken. yeah <laughs> what like well, it's not chicken <laughs> and it's they're right it's not <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, those are like just some anecdotes to kind of explain, like it really goes deep on how we thought about it when we were thinking about, you know, like marginalized people, what is it that they want? And it just like, there were so many levels to it. Like I can't even count. It's so interesting. Like I'm just, as you're talking about that, I was thinking about how like places like Target, right? They have different Mm -hmm. locations across the country and they have to think about seasonality in those places. Mm -hmm. Like they're based in Minneapolis they carry fleece-lined leggings in Minnesota. I have purchased them when I lived there. (laughs) But at the same time, about the same time of year probably, you can buy a bikini at one in Southern California. And if big companies like that can think about those kinds of differences, like locale, Mm -hmm. they can think about cultural differences. And and that's not just to say like Target, but like Target and all of the brands that target carries mm-hmm. and all of the products mm-hmm. that make up all of the stores that we're in. Like they can exactly talk to people that are actually from these different places, different communities, different mm-hmm. backgrounds and figure out how to make products for everyone. Right. So right. It's, That's it's like... not hard, but clearly it is because they're not <laughs> doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a lot of work, right? Sure. It's, it is a ton of work and you have to decide as a company, as an executive, are you going to take on that work or not? And because being inclusive is woven into the fabric of our company, we have taken on that responsibility. Like it doesn't matter how much work it is. That's what we've committed ourselves to doing. And it's going to be hard the whole way through. But that's, that's just, that's the job. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Um, so from a branding perspective, Ghost Town is very creative and beautiful, if you ask me. Um, the packaging is amazing. Um, what was your philosophy behind going about the marketing and branding the way that you did? Um, the marketing and branding conversations we had early on were some of my favorite moments in our company history. Um, We had a lot of whiteboard sessions um, to discuss them. And it ultimately came, came down to a couple of things. So back in my learning about marketing, oat milk, baristas and whatnot, Um, I had gotten linked up with a woman named April Seiler, who used to be the senior VP of uh, global marketing for Calafia Farms. Um, And now she owns a champagne brand called Reveus. It is tasty. (laughs) And um, I was, she had actually kind of put me on to subliminal marketing messaging, which was something I'd never, as a concept, had never thought about before, but it made so much sense. And, um, In our conversation, she basically had talked about how, whether we realize it or not, this is what I distilled from our conversations, whether we realize it or not, colors and iconography have a lot to do with how we see ourselves in that brand, if we think it's for us. And it's like, it's a super subconscious thing. Um, One day I'm going to go back to school for anthropology and like really get into it. Uh, but right now I'm just working off of vibes and experience and a little bit of research. (laughs) And, um, and so we talked about like white iconography, like even like, even if it's just an icon, just a random figure. And if it's colored in white, you're kind of naturally going to think it's white. And I was like, Hmm, 
okay. And so I kind of, that I sat with that for a few years. Um, and whether I think it's, whether it's subconscious or not, doesn't really matter, but colors do have a lot to do with um, how someone feels when they see that brand. So I, so for instance, like a super conscious, super conscious subliminal messaging is like black rifle coffee. <laughs> I think it's like very in your face. <laughs> Yes. who they're selling to <laughs> and and like what they're represented what what they're representing and like or at least the types of people who are going to be attracted to that yeah. um and so i feel like coming back to culture um for us as cultural peoples we're very loud about our cultures we you know we're kind of unexpected we're bright about it we just like you know we want we want the razzle dazzle we like the pizzazz um we like all that stuff we don't really do subdued anything mm. and i love that about all of us um so when we were talking about the going through like the branding of like the ghosts for instance um the ghost had a had a few iterations there was actually like a sheet with all the ghosts on it and the first like few rows of the ghost icon were all uh white and then there was like an outline of the ghost that you see today and actually that whole line they were all filled in black and i said to the team we're not going to have white ghosts that's not going to be us because whether someone realizes it or not it's that's subliminal and so these ghosts are always going to be black and if or any other color and um for the most part when we have it on something it's just outlined in white and it's whatever color is in the background and that's on purpose. But if it's going to be the ghosts on white, they're always going to be filled in at least black or pink. So that was for, for the branding. Um, the name Ghost Town stems from a handful of conversations. Like I said, that we had started out being called Oakland Oats. And that conversation, um, we were all like, none of us are from Oakland. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this doesn't... <laughs> love it but don't <laughs> and um so <laughs> from there we i remember like i remember i remember that that day when we were going through names and like this whole whiteboard that i have on, up on my wall was just like filled with all these different names that we were coming up with common oats oakland oats um uh oak kings uh like <laughs> just all sorts of dumb shit <laughs> And I had, uh, in that session, I'd like Googled, I said, okay, let's start with Oakland. And I looked up black history in Oakland. Um, Cause I was like, there has to be something that maybe we could still tie into that since that's, you know, what we're called right now. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make it feel like we are, we have to be born and bred in Oakland for this to work. Um, so I did that Google search and there's a neighborhood in Oakland called Ghost Town. And I've been there and it is quiet. It is absolutely a ghost town. Um, <laughs> and the, like that stuck out to me. And also in, in addition to that, I live right next to a cemetery. So I was, our, I'm like naturally feeling the spooky vibes. Um, but when I saw the words ghost town, I thought about how I was like, okay, well, we're trying to reach everyone who is, who is outside of the target demographic, quote unquote of most oat milk companies and their marketing 
So these people would technically be living in ghost towns. They've been abandoned. They're not thought of. People just think that they're not even there, um, that they don't have the money to spend. So that was that was an interesting thing. Um, and we all just started to go around and started pinpoint like why ghost town made sense. For me, they, it was the, you know, we're marketing to people outside of outside of the de- demographic, but also I thought about, you know, the people in my ancestral lineage who, you know, I, I come from a very poor family. We don't have a lot. Um, we kind of just like always been, you know, hungry, didn't have a lot of food, but also, also just hungry for more hungry for a better life. Um, so like the ghost vibe was giving me like, just thinking about who the people I come from, where they are now. And like, this is sort of like a, this is my gift back into, um, I don't know, just like healing that ancestral lineage. Like we may have never had food, but now here I am creating a food product to go out into the world and feed people. Um, so that's where the ghost town name came from. It didn't stick initially. I was, I had decided on it, <laughs> but it didn't stick at first. But after a couple of days, like everyone was just like, yeah, yeah, th- this makes sense. I like this. Um, so that's how the name, where the name came from. Now, as far as the marketing is concerned, I think it's very fun because one, if there's anything, a a bad stereotype about Sagittarius is, is that we ghost people and the company is a Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius (laughs) and I do be ghosting people. (laughs) Not on purpose. (laughs) Well, sometimes, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I just like it's a it's a funny stereotype that it is a play on that um but we intentionally wanted our marketing to be very underground and like guerrilla style and i think we we did achieve that because most of the sales that we've experienced have been since we launched in june have been like just word of mouth like there hasn't been, there's been very little money, if if any, if I were to go back and look, very little money spent on marketing. Um, and even our distributors tell us like they haven't fully marketed the product either, but are always getting inbound requests from it because it's just, everyone's just talking to each other. And it's like this, you know, sometimes we're there, sometimes we're not. And it's just this like, what is this oat milk? What is this? What's this pink thing? I need to know about it. And that's been really, um, really good for us so far because we're still trying to figure out what the hell we're trying to do, which is my job. That, that is my job at the company is to figure out what to do, but this is still very intentional. Um, so it's allowing just like for organic growth, it's allowing for baristas to have something to talk about, something that they feel like that they can buy into. Uh, I think when we decided to do the WeFunder crowd equity, crowdfund equity um, campaign, that was like a marketing idea without us even really knowing that it would be. Um, but having so many people who are now investors in the company, it's like we have 500 salespeople out there. Bronwyn, you are one of them. Yes, I love it. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome to be part of something that you know it that you can believe in and that you know has so much potential. Just not only as a product, but like, yeah, kind of symbolically too, like you've been talking about, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. It's, um, it's like, 
I, I want to talk about potential for a second because in my career, I feel like I have been like selling myself on the potential that I could do something, right? And for all the things that are out there that I have done, the accolades, the achievements, there are plenty more things where I like, for things I didn't get that I wanted or wanted to work on and only could get so far, but it's like, I knew that the potential for it was there. And if I wasn't able to execute on those things or bring it to fruition in the way that I wanted to, or to, you know, the customer's um, expectations, it's something that I hold on to, but I've had to give myself grace on because now this is a, a, a project that I'm a part of that we're working on that is like all the, all those lessons I've learned from the, from working on something that could have potentially been amazing. I can just put that energy into this. And for all the times I've let people down for not being able to do something, it's like, I'm just going to channel that into, well, I'm going to be able to do something here. I'm going to be able to make even more change, even more impact here. And all four of us feel that way. Like at the end of the day, all of us just want to create something amazing and beautiful and delicious for the rest of the world to engage with. And whereas before it's like we were working as baristas at other people's companies to do that. This is like, this is our product and like, and people get to have ownership of it too. Child. That's the one. This is it, y'all. <laughs> this is all of our big break. <laughs> you and your partners have had such a long process to develop Ghost Town. And now that you're all in it, um, what are some challenges that you face? What are some unexpected things, both good and bad, that you've had to kind of deal with? Ooh. You know, the biggest challenge we've had to face is inter interpersonal team dynamics. And when you have four people who are headstrong, opinionated, or just now realizing that they are that, <laughs> then there is definitely gonna be <laughs> conflict. <laughs> there's gonna be conflict, there's gonna be infighting, there's gonna be all of that. And it is, it's great to be able to sit here and like laugh about it now um, because we only just were able to start laughing about it last week <laughs> when we were all in <laughs> Chicago together. Because <laughs> it wasn't that long ago where I feel like it was, you know, for me, I, I did not know how the future of Ghost Town was going to look if like there was all this like internal just like tension and it really just boiled down to for people needing to learn four different languages, four different learning styles, communication styles, um, how we worked, what would be the most efficient, and how to give constructive, critical feedback to each other without anyone taking it personally. And by anyone, I mean me and my co-founder, Josh. Like, <laughs> And, you know, I hope he hears this and understands I'm speaking from a place of love. But I'm also, I'm dragging myself here. Like, we take shit personal. <laughs> we, take shit, we take a lot of shit personal. Um, and I think for me, coming from a place of where, like, barista work is very emotionally laborious. And, like, it's all, it seems to always be personal <laughs> um, behind the bar and in retail. It was um, 
a transition to move away from that and to being like, no, it's about business. And like the feedback you're giving me is not personal. It does not say anything about my character. I'm learning too, and I need to give myself that grace and offer it. Um, so we hired a company coach uh, a few months ago and she's been absolutely amazing and has been helping us, you know, develop the tools to be able to, um, have the conversations that need to be had, but also it like, sometimes it's about the conversations that need to be had. Sometimes it's just understanding what I, that someone just communicates in that way. And that doesn't necessarily mean what you might think it means. And if you're not sure to ask, please just ask. <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's not a horrible thing for someone to question where you're getting that information from, how you came to that. It's like, we're all just trying to understand each other so that we can understand how to get to the end goal here, which is bringing oat milk to everybody, bringing it to every fucking block. Um, so that's for sure been the biggest challenge. I think the second biggest challenge has been I mean, it's just like company stuff, you know, like having capital, having money for stuff, <laughs> you know, sure. trying to uh, figure out, you know, scheduling production runs and, you know, where where's the packaging coming from? What's the holdup on getting oat milk picked up to go to this distributor, all this and that. But that's just like I said earlier, it's just a part of the job. Um, and as we continue on we're all getting better about figuring those things out and figuring them out quicker um so that's a good thing that has come from all these challenges i think that we are all we don't know we are for sure all different people than we were two years ago and i am so extremely proud of us for that like seeing eric out there doing their thing out in the world as our you know partnerships and sales person incredible i like they went out to chicago last week and were like on sales runs with the distributor, like, yo, let's go, let's meet everybody. And it's like, you can really see their work at Glittercat coming out and how they approach their work here at Ghost Town. And Ezra is just like an operations king. And it's just like, so like Ezra is the one who is not emotional. The only one who's not emotional <laughs> out of all of us. And I, everybody needs that person <laughs> because Ezra is practical and will question everything to make sure that you know what the hell you're talking about. And if you don't know, it's gonna show. <laughs> it's absolutely gonna show. And then Josh, who is the only one out of us who is not um, in coffee, and he's our CEO. He like he and I are like are the yin and yang of the company, and he is the the framework builder. Like he has the schematics. He is out there trying to figure out like, how do we get this thing? And is just going for it. Like the audacity of that man to think that he could just start an oat milk company is the type of audacity I walk around with every day because of him, because I'm like, who just wakes up <laughs> and says, I'm going to start an oat milk company. <laughs> like I, oh my God, I wish. <laughs> Because of him, I'm so much uh, like that. That energy just brings me so much more confidence for what we're doing. Because I'm like, yeah, I can make an oat milk company. That's easy. <laughs> and then here I am, just vibes, energy, yeah. <laughs> bringing in, just trying to make things more efficient. I try to. I'm the like. I am the the creative marketing branding uh, side of things, but also I, I'm the chief, as chief strategy officer. I'm thinking long term always, so I'm always thinking like, what's the goal three years from now, five years from now, and what can I start doing now 
to get there so that I'm not in like before when I talked about how that seed was initially planted about marketing and oat milk before how I can pinpoint that that is a seed instead of it being mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm just out here doing my thing. Like everything is with intention. Um, and that's what I bring to the table. So we all have like our places. We actually just hired two new people on the branding side that I'm really excited about. Um, and yeah, we're, we're doing it. We're doing it. And meanwhile, six months ago, I was on bar. <laughs> so... <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> um, speaking of growing, um, how do you see Ghost Town growing? What are your hopes as it grows? And are there any projects that you can talk about um, that you're excited about being involved in as you grow? Yeah. What I see for growing well i think as we grow we will obviously hire more people and they will i think we'll try to keep like our team pretty small for the most part for as long as we can um there's just something something about what we're doing just like really feels like with less cooks in the kitchen we can like really hyper focus and and get to all the goals that we have um those goals being one day i want our like supply chain to be like fully streamlined and whether or not we you know take in manufacturing who knows who knows what the future holds i we are seeing and learning from our predecessors um and how how they're approaching those things um but i really really want to give back, not even really give back. I want to invest in um, black farmers in the US because mm -hmm. they are a demographic of farmers that have had a lot taken away from them over over the past few centuries. Um, whereas, you know, we were used to be like one in four, one in five farmers in the US. It's like not that anymore. It's like one in who knows how many, way too many. Um, and a lot of that has to do with lack of funding from the government, lack of funding overall, um, grants, you know, plenty of farmers have had their land passed down to them over generations and don't necessarily have the, the paperwork to back that up. So they're getting their land taken away from them. Um, so that was something that I'd been thinking about years before Ghost Town and I, um, it's always been something that's just been near to dear to my heart as, as a person who's thinking about like, who doesn't have that should have. And so that, that's something that is on our goal list for the future. Um, if we achieve that, I'd be super happy. I know one of our, um, goals for the next year is to expand in a couple of new markets, but I hesitate to say where, because shit changes all the time. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> Shit changes all the time. So I don't even really want to say where yet, but if you're in that city, you'll see it. <laughs> um, projects I'm excited about coming up. There isn't much I can say about those now, but sooner than later, I think uh, you will see or taste in a couple of RTD projects. Some, you'll, hmm, that tastes like tastes like some ghost oats in that canned coffee thing um so with who who knows Fun. <laughs> but it's something that we're working on cool. uh and 
yeah there there's plenty other stuff on the list that i actually can't talk about so for sure yeah yeah <laughs> we'll be on the lookout though yeah um i also did want to ask um where we can find it as like a consumer um like what cafes can you i mean obviously listing all of them will probably be a lot but yeah <laughs> you know for people who haven't yeah. tried it how can they get a little taste so if you live in chicago Arizona, specifically Phoenix, and San Luis Obispo on down. So central to Southern California, including the Inland Empire, you have a higher chance of finding Ghost Town. <laughs> and the places that I know it's at for sure, uh, Mad Lab here in LA, um, Day Glow, Obet and Dells, uh, the Hamlet down in like San Diego County. Um, if you're in Phoenix, there's um, who has it? It's Cafeo Espresso at the Bones Aftermarket, Pear Cup Works. I'm actually wearing their sweatshirt right now. Um, Xanadu Coffee, Moxie Coffee in Chicago. It's at Side Practice, Metropolis Coffee. Amazing. Every single Stan's Donuts, all 16 of them. Yes, go Stan's And Donuts. that was our very first Chicago account. Ooh, and they're pink. Cute. <laughs> um, I love Stan's, and I'm sad that the one location here is no longer. There used to be one here? Yeah. It's also, it's a donut place now, but it's not Stan's. Mm -hmm. uh, their blueberry fritter is to die for. Oh, anyway. amazing. Um, I was just in Long Beach over the weekend. We're at Coffee Drunk, Rose Park, Wood um, Coffee, Co. Wood Coffee. Yeah. All, all the all the real ones now. And if they don't Amazing. have it, tell them. Tell them what's up. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So go yeah, it's, it's actually a lot longer of a list, but I yeah, yeah. it would take forever to go. <laughs> totally. Go find your ghost town oats, folks. Yes. Sip and Saunder, if you're down in Inglewood. Ooh, nice. Just, they're yes. popping up in my head now. <laughs> well, I think it's time for our game. Yes. Pranwen, you've got so the... I, I have the list. the list. All right. So, Michelle, we have a game, a little game called Triangulation, which is essentially two truths and a lie. And mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to give you a few things about oat milk and you're going to try to figure out which one is the odd one out, which is the lie, okay. essentially. Okay. So the first bit of tidbit is the global oat milk market size has been valued at a certain monetary amount um, back in 2020, 2020-ish data. So is that amount $5 billion USD? $2.23 billion USD or $10 billion USD? Global? Global. 2020-ish? 2020-ish. I'm going to say 10 because I know what it is now. So I'm going to say 10. Okay. Is that your final answer? Yes. Okay. It is actually 2.23 billion val valued 2020 levels and it has increased about 9% since then. Yeah, it, considerably. Wow. Yeah. I 
Yeah. I'm going to go back to our deck. <laughs> but, I mean, that's I need constantly to catch up changing. my numbers. But that's constantly changing. And those are like the most recent numbers, like with, with yeah. enough data. And that's just so yeah. fascinating to me, too, because the plant milk world has just been blowing up. Like, you don't have just almond or just soy now. There's like right. hemp, there's pistachio, there's mm-hmm. numerous types of oat milk. Yeah. So, Although hemp is old school and. Yeah. I'm going to be Since honest. Since the 70s. Yeah, did that gross. ever catch on? Not really. <laughs> when I was in Bend, Oregon, and that's when I like first got into coffee, we had hemp, soy, and almond, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely hemp and soy. And everybody loved hemp, but it was because it was vanilla hemp. Oh. Everybody was like, oh, well, it tastes like sense. marshmallows. And then like they were out of vanilla one week, and we got regular, and people were like, this tastes like clay. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, it we- does. <laughs> We thought for a second that hemp might be in our oat milk and and threw that out early. So, yeah, if that gives you any, any indication. <laughs> it's a rough flavor, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I realize that that's not uh, two truths and a lie, but that's okay. It was a cute little yeah, quiz. That, that was a quiz. Yeah, quiz that- <laughs> it was two that's lies fine. and a truth. Three. Yeah. <laughs> it's you still, get the idea. Still triangulation. Still right? triangulation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I realize it's like for oat milk, not just all plant-based milk. Oat milk. And like I I do, you know, I want to echo that sentiment about it growing so much so quickly because like oat milk is just on this exponential curve that just keeps getting faster as as more and more people catch on to it. Like that, and we talked about that too, is like there's still so many people who don't even know oat milk exists yet. So who knows where it'll be next year. And we're going to be a part of that. I loved the, like, year or two leading, like, leading up to, like, the big spike of oat milk happening of Mm -hmm. people thinking that you were saying goat milk. Um, And I had my weirdest one was when uh, it was written on a board. And I think Mm -hmm. the person who wrote it didn't, like, fully close the O. And somebody (laughs) thought that it said cat milk. And I was like, that is the worst mistake that you, I mean, that sounds horrible. It's very gross. That is, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, not to mention unsustainable. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, a, I mean, that's, that's sort of like tapered off, but I do enjoy those little like mistakes that yeah. happen could, in translation. I can totally see people being into cat milk, though. <laughs> Just somebody out there. Somebody oddly enough will be totally into it. I just feel like the allergens are gonna be like real intense on that one. I don't know. (laughs) That's real. That's true. Oh, okay. So our next one: various various types of plant milks. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll give you some facts, quote unquote facts. Okay. First fact: so hemp milk is virtually carb free. That's fact number one. Um, Fact number two, oat milk is one of the highest in carbs than other plant milks, but boosts extra fiber. And then fact number three, coconut milk is higher in HDL good cholesterol levels than most of the other milks. Which one of those is a lie? 
I wish you could this all see the look on Michelle's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a biology test, okay. a chemistry test. <laughs> so hemp milk is virtually carb-free. Mm-hmm. Oat milk mm-hmm. has much more carbs, but has lots of fiber. Mm-hmm. And coconut milk is higher in good cholesterol than the other milks. Is that correct? Or bad cholesterol? Um, sorry. H, like, wait a minute. Is it L- LDLs? <laughs> I don't know. HDL. Is that the bad one? That's uh, good cholesterol. Um, That's good okay. cholesterol. Higher in good cholesterol. Okay. Wow. I feel like I'm on... Do you want to be a millionaire right now? Would you like to and, and my amount equity in the company is on the line here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and I'm choosing the lie or the truth? The lie. The lie. Well, oats are fibrous. I'm going to say hemp is carb-free. Is the lie? I actually don't know the answer, so Bronwyn, tell us. The, I the, bet you it's the oat milk one. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to throw a wrench into this, and all of them are actually facts. Oh. Yeah. They are all facts. So I couldn't win? You couldn't win. Sorry, Michelle. No. I learned something today. Yeah. Um, the only reason why hemp milk wouldn't be car-free is because of sweeteners. Like most mm. most alternative milks do add sweeteners on yeah. some level. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were right yeah. in that right. sense. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks you for were, giving me something. I'm sorry. Right. Nobody is drinking plain hemp milk. No, it's disgusting. They hate Sorry. themselves if they do. Yeah. Yeah. So disgusting. Okay. I don't care how good it is for you. I will not. There are I love myself. Other ways to get those <laughs> nutrients. So many other ways. Eating I feel like I, have, I put hemp hearts in my delicious smoothie that has oat milk in it every morning. So that seems like yes. I'm getting all those same hempy benefits. Yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they are. okay so the last one is going to be environmental impact of various milks Mm -hmm. um not we're going to include dairy in this one okay so we're going to give you some numbers and um you're going to see and you're going to choose which one this one i will actually put in a lie so okay (laughs) um so we're going to do water like the environmental impact of how much water these mm-hmm. various plant and dairy has on on the world. So dairy uses 150 liters of water um, per, this is going to be per 200 mils of, okay. of value. Um, so in that amount, dairy uses two, or sorry, 150 mils or liters of water to produce 200 mils dairy milk mm-hmm. um rice uses 54 liters to produce 200 mils mm-hmm. or we have oat milk 9.6 liters of water to produce 200 mils sorry i'm recapping 150 liters for dairy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 90 something for rice 
54 liters. 54 of for rice. For rice. Okay. And then nine, nine 9.6 liters for oat milk. And all of this is to produce one glass of said milk, which is 200 mils. Wow. This is some detailed facts. <laughs> <laughs> but so I do know that it does take a lot to make dairy milk. Mm -hmm. I know that it doesn't take much compared to other alternative milks to do oat milk. So I'm just going to go after rice. <laughs> Actually, rice does, that is correct. Rice takes 54 liters of water to produce um, 200 mils. The, the one that was like the most, so dairy actually takes 125.6 liters. Oh. So dairy was the lie. So dairy was the lie. Yeah. But it is it's still, still a lie. It's, it's still, still a lie. lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we inflated it, but yeah. it was still right. the worst one. Okay. Yeah, it's still the worst one. Yeah, some one. hard triangulation questions. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have been able to get any of these, yeah. by the way. Like I'm I'm, I'm looking... going to spend Yeah. I'm going to spend the weekend researching and studying, and I swear y'all will never catch me slipping ever again. <laughs> So almond, actually, like we all know, it takes a lot of water to produce almond milk as well. And that one is 74.3 liters. Mm. Um, and the other one, soy, is 5.6 liters of water to produce that oh. much. So, yeah, rice and almond are the most water that use, utilize the most water to produce 200 mils. Well, and right now, almond milk is still the number one alternative milk. I believe. I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, I was looking uh, for some things to send Bronwyn's way to come up with this. I didn't know any of the answers, but um, <laughs> I found a blog that has some pretty good uh, sources, so it felt safe. Um, but least sustainable was cow's milk, which I think we all know. Mm -hmm. I was actually surprised by coconut milk. It, the uh, like header for this section says coconut milk, an environmental nightmare. Which seems very oh, wow. dramatic. Um, and right. I didn't read anything about it, but I do feel like a lot of people go for coconut because it seems sort of like neutral. Like it tastes pretty mm -hmm. good if you like coconut and it's not almond milk and it's not dairy milk. And so, and mm -hmm. maybe they don't like oat milk for whatever reason because I think it's delicious. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's actually yeah. not very good for the environment. For whatever reasons, oh. I will read up as well. Yeah, um, and we'll put all of these resources also on on our pod once it. Yeah, you know, once I will be publish. reading along with everyone yes. else. <laughs> so yeah. So, anyways, yeah. interesting information yeah. and yeah, yeah. They're always learning. That's what I love about this this industry. There's yeah. never never a shortage of information to research and read up on. And I hope everyone I meet keeps me sharp like y'all have. <laughs> I mean, we try and keep each other sharp, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, thank awesome. you so much for joining us. Um, I don't think I was just like sitting here looking at you while you were telling your story. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like I'm never going to get tired of hearing like people that I know in coffee and, you know, would say like, oh, we could have our friends on the podcast. It's so much fun. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we've had so many conversations with people that we wouldn't really have otherwise because the mm -hmm. like 
situation doesn't really lend itself to just sit down and be like, tell me your whole story about what you're doing right now. Um, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I love, I love that we have this platform to do that and we just get to yeah. share it with other people too. So thank yeah. you so much for well, doing I do. that. I definitely, I definitely appreciate y'all offering up the platform because I, um, I'm, I'm in this period right now where I am very much behind the scenes. I'm not on social media for the next, you know, 11 more, 11 more months. And, um, so I'm just, you know, head down working and this was an opportunity that I wanted to jump on to be able to say what, what I wanted to say about the ghost town story with you two specifically. And I won't talk to anybody else. Like this is it for me. Wow. <laughs> Until we are next so year, honored. So. Thank you. Yeah. And I know so, like, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I know like there have been a ton of articles when you guys first, you know, came out and did the debut and I wanted to definitely give more of the background story just because like Mm -hmm. all of those, all of the articles, not to disparage anyone, they were great and they were so well-written and gave a ton of information. But I think like we wanted to talk to you for sure. Yeah. Just giving you I mean, there's so much more to tell now. Yeah. Yeah, there's like the product is actually out there this time. Yeah. A lot of those articles came pre-product, pre-revenue. Um, so the lessons that we were learning back then, we were still like in it, where it's now we've been applying and applying and applying, and the lessons are totally different. Um, so who know? in a year from now, we'll have a completely different story to tell, and it'll keep growing and evolving like that, which is great about this too. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again to Michelle for sharing her founder story and talking about the journey to creating Ghost Town Oats and making it an inclusive and accessible product. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week to talk more coffee with you all. Until then, continue to drink good coffee. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and keep up with us on Instagram at Totally Dissolve Pod. Send us questions or thoughts in the DMs or email us at totallydissolvepod at gmail.com. Bye Bye for for now. now.